Good morning and Merry Christmas to everybody. Let's pray together. Father, in the name of Jesus, thank you. Thank you for your Holy Spirit. Thank you for your Holy Spirit present here today. Thank you that you abide in us and that you do not abandon us, that you come, you have come to make permanent habitation in your people. Thank you that you are always available, that you are always as available as we would be yielded, as we would submit, as we would lean into your voice that you are speaking to us. Spirit of God, you are master of this house, you are Lord, so come and breathe through your scriptures, breathe upon us fresh life and instruction. Thank you, Lord, for bringing us today into fresh living, vital contact with the Holy Spirit. Thank you for the seal, the deposit of the Spirit who is to us today the assurance and the influence of heaven. We reverence and welcome you, Lord. Amen. Boy, I sure love this church. If you're looking for a church home and you visited today, we sure hope that you feel at home and will stay home. Come home. The last stanza of Robert Frost's poem, The Road Less Traveled, reads like this. I shall be telling this with a sigh somewhere ages and ages hence. Two roads diverged in a wood, and I, I took the one less traveled by, and that has made all the difference. This is the story of every follower of Jesus Christ. Disciples of Jesus must take the road less traveled. The book of Matthew calls the reader, confronts the reader to become a disciple of Jesus, to follow him. And we've been reading in Matthew 5 and 6 and 7, we've been reading what has been usually called the Sermon on the Mount. These are teachings of Jesus, most likely many of them together, but also very probable Matthew organizing uh, teachings of Jesus into a, a sermon material. There are, just throw, throw this out there, there are five sections in Matthew. He organizes five sections of Jesus' teaching. And if you think, hmm, what's significant about five and teaching, you might think Torah. Like this is the new Torah. Jesus is the, 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 new, the new Moses. Okay, He's doing this on purpose. There's symbolism here. So this is the first of five sections that we call the Sermon on the Mount. And, and we are now starting to land. Jesus doesn't conclude his sermon quickly, but he starts to land the, his sermon, this, or this section of teaching, today. And uh, so we're going to, it picks up at verse 13. It goes all the way to 27 is the end of the message. But 13 and 14 set up how it ends. 
when we come to the end of Jesus' sermon, we are, we are not permitted to merely admire his teaching. We are challenged to bow to the preacher. What we'll see here is, as you look at verses 13 all the way through 27, we're not doing all those verses today. But when you look at these passages, here's what you see. Having come to the end of his claim to be his disciple, his, his claim that righteousness exceeds the law, his, his claim that we are to live these radically alternative lives and following him, here's what, he, here's what we see, that there are only ultimately two roads to take, verses 13 and 14. And there are only two kinds of fruit that we can bear verses 15 through 20. And there are only two kinds of foundation upon which we can build our lives, verses 21 through 27. He's coming to the end of his message and he's saying it's this way or this way. It's follow me or rebel. Life or death. Being a disciple of Jesus is a matter of life or death. Merry Christmas. Everything in this world has two aspects. How it looks at the moment and how it will look in the age to come. Verses 13 and 14. Enter, you know, remember Jesus is talking to his disciples. Enter through the narrow gate. For wide is the gate and broad is the road that leads to destruction and many enter through it but small is the gate and narrow is the road that leads to life and only a few find it there are only two roads everybody say it out loud There are only two roads. There is a gate that opens to each road. Each of these roads has an end. And how you respond to Jesus determines what road you travel and at what end you arrive. You might say, whoa, uh, Jesus is sort of is what he is is does it is he is it is he saying what it sounds like he's saying is he laying claim to our lives our eternal destiny based on his teaching right now is he just throwing out that gauntlet of it's either it's a or b you choose yes he is and it's not an unusual presentation Jesus is there's more than one spot but he is echoing. Moses' final challenge to the people of Israel in the book of Deuteronomy. 
Deuteronomy closing the 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 the, the ministry of Moses, the, the closing of his life, he having brought the people right up to the edge of things and, and with Joshua challenging them, the rights that Joshua begins to rise. But he has this challenge now to the to the people of Israel. And here's what he says in Deuteronomy chapter 30, verses 15 through 19. Remember what we just heard from Jesus. There's this road or this road. Now, Jesus doesn't say, choose which road. He tells us which road we should choose. He says, enter through the narrow gate. He tells us which road we must choose as his disciples. But see if this sounds at all familiar. There's a few more words to it, but see if the rhythm sounds familiar. Here's Moses. See, I set before you today life and prosperity, death and destruction. For I command you today to love the Lord your God, to walk in obedience to him, and to keep his commands, decrees, and laws. Then you will live and increase, and the Lord your God will bless you in the land you are entering to possess. There's a gate and a road. There's a journey and a destination. But... Moses says, if your heart turns away and you are not obedient and you are drawn away to bow down to other gods and worship them, I declare to you today that you will certainly be destroyed. You will not live long in the land you are crossing into the Jordan to enter possess. This day I call heaven and earth as witnesses against you and I have set before you life and death, blessing and curses. Here's Moses. Now, choose life. Enter through the narrow gate. I know, maybe you've been around long enough when you hear, enter through the narrow gate, and the the road is narrow, and it's difficult, and it sounds like, boy, that sounds like it's going to be a hard road. Understand that Jesus is, is continuing the call of Scripture, that it might be a narrow gate, it might be a, a narrow road, but understand that that road is to life, and it is to blessing, and it is to increase. That's the road you should choose. But there's only two. We don't get a little column A and column B. It's impossible to go north and south at the same time. It may be even tempting for us in the, what are we, in 21st century now? I forget. Yeah, right? Is that the one we're in? It's funny when people say, when people, I talk to people and they say, well, I made something, I did some things late last century. And I think, what? And they just mean the late 90s, you know? Yeah, they're like, well, at the end of last century, I think, ooh, that was a long time ago. Nope, it wasn't. They just mean the 90s. They just mean gold trim. Um, (laughs) Yeah, good season. Um, Maybe tempted now as we are so sophisticated in our 21st century, especially since the arrogance of the 1800s, to think, well, Jesus really didn't mean that, that he wasn't really laying that kind of a claim on our life. After all, Facebook Jesus is all about hugs and unicorns and daisies. Am I right? He couldn't have, he couldn't have been so drastic. He wouldn't have laid such a, such a drastic and absolute uh, ch- challenge before us. Well, principles of, of biblical interpretation help, encourage us to consider contemporary literature of the day. Because that tells us what people were 
that, that tells us what, what well people were drinking from. What were they thinking about? What, how, did, how would those people have understood or interpreted or responded to the language that Jesus was using? Right? So let's, let's ask. Hey, guys. Yeah. What, what do you think Jesus was? Well, here's the deal. There's, there's some, I've talked to you a little bit about the, the pseudepigrapha, which is the, the non-canonical, canonical, non-inspired uh, Jewish literature that existed a couple hundred years before Jesus and then into the first and second centuries a little bit. And these were people, uh, primarily uh, Jewish writers, that were writing about uh, under, under pseudonyms. They were, they were calling themselves Enoch or Abraham or whatever else. And arguably, they believed that they, they thought they were writing some real serious stuff. They just didn't get. They got. They just sort of got voted off the island eventually. But they, they thought they were writing some serious stuff. And there's there's a few of them. And and one of them in the Pseudepigrapha is called the 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 Testament of Abraham. And it's a it's a it's a description that is of a a, a vision that Abraham had allegedly. But this this piece of literature was in circulation the same time as Matthew, so people were reading it and hearing it. So. And in this literature, the vision that Abraham has uniquely, see if this sounds familiar. Abraham, an angel takes Abraham. It sounds a lot like the book of Revelation. An angel takes Abraham to a place and he sees two roads. One with a narrow gate and a small road. And then on the other side, he sees a broad gate and a wide road. Well, that sounds pretty familiar. It's part of the literature of the day. And Abraham sees a man sitting on a throne watching people go one way or the other. And when he sees people go to, to the, onto the narrow road, he, he sits on his throne and he laughs and he celebrates and, he, and, he, and, he's, a, and he's a jubilant and he's, and he's thrilled. But as he sees people go to the, to the wide road, he throws himself off of his throne, tears his clothes, pulls his hair, and cries and weeps. And Abraham says to the angel, what is happening? And the angel says, that's Adam. And he's watching mankind choose righteousness to life or unrighteousness and total destruction. Again, that's not, that's not canonical. That's not in the scriptures, but it's what people were reading and aware of. And then they listen to Jesus say, enter through the narrow gate. And they go, and they, those people say, ha! Huh! We know what he means. He's not soft peddling anything. He's not inventing a metaphor out of thin air any more than he was when he talked about seed and soil. He was talking about things that, was, that were familiar to them. So using a, 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 a piece of literature, a metaphor in literature, he's saying, enter through the narrow gate. If you want to take it further, you say, well, we're not so sure. Maybe that's just part of the, you know, that was Jewish literature. What about, what about, let's get on the other side of the cross. Let's get some real gray stuff. Okay, the didache is, the, uh, is one of our earliest uh, pieces of teaching of that the apostles. From, it's, it's, tra- it's, it's traditionally accredited or ascribed to the, the teaching of the apostles to the Gentiles as they were coming into the church. And this is easily a first century document. Again, it's about the time of Matthew. So it's being, it's being distributed. Again, non-canonical, but it's, this is a Christian, a post-resurrection, post-Pentecost document. And, and the, the teaching of, these, of the apostles. Are you ready for it? 
Here's how it starts. You want to how? Ooh, how many would they? Ooh, I wonder what. I wonder what the apostles said. What was the first thing in the in the in the didache? What would they? What's the first thing they might say? You know, they might say, "Don't worry, Jesus loves you. You're going to be okay, right?" Or something. That, maybe so. Here's what. They, here's 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 how it starts. There are two ways. One life and one of death. And there is a great difference between the two ways. The way of life is this. First of all, now it's written that this is translated in Elizabethan English. They didn't speak Elizabethan English, okay? Good enough for Paul, King James. All right. uh, uh, The way of life is this. First of all, thou shalt love the Lord the God that made thee, and secondly, thy neighbor as thyself, and all things whatsoever thou wouldst not have befall thyself, neither do thou another. Huh? The golden rule. Love God, love people, practice the golden rule from last week. That's the way of life. Now, then they talk about doing more stuff, and there's a long list there about encouraging people. But then it says this. Fast forward. But the way of death is this. And this one, I'll read a little bit more. The way of death is this. First of all, it is evil and full of a curse. Murders, yeah. Everybody's against that, right? Adulteries, hopefully against that, okay? Lusts, fornications, thefts, idolatry, so far so good. Thank you, Lord, doing good. Magical arts, yep, no, don't do that. Hocus pocus. <laughs> Witchcrafts, plunderings, hmm. Just get ready. When you ransack mom's closet, I'm going to bring up the didache. Plundering. <laughs> Plundering. <laughs> Exposed. Uh, uh, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it means to go in and take stuff, Max. That's what it means. I can hear him say, what does plundering mean? It's jewelry. Yar! Uh, false teaching, false witnessings, bearing false witness. Oh, wait a minute. That's on the road to death and destruction. Hypocrisies, doubleness of heart, treachery, pride, malice, stubbornness. Well, I never. Covetousness. Foul speaking. Jealousy. There's more. Jealousy, boldness, exaltation, boastfulness, persecutors of good men, hating truth, loving a lie, not perceiving the reward of righteousness, not cleaving to the good nor to righteous judgment, wakeful not for that which is good but for that which is evil, from whom gentleness and forbearance stand aloof, loving vain things, pursuing recompense, getting even, not pitying the poor man, nor toiling for him that is oppressed with toil, not recognizing him that made them murderers of children. Corrupters of the creatures of God. Now you lean into that and you think, I wonder what that means to corrupt the creation of God. Lean into it. 
There it is. Corrupting the nature of those, in other words, marring those, the very, those who are made in the image of God. Turning away from him that is in want, oppressing him that is afflicted, unjust judges of the poor, altogether sinful, may ye be delivered, my children, from all these things. In other words, there are, not only do these roads have different destinations, the characteristics, the journey on these roads are entirely different. They don't feel the same. They don't smell the same. They don't act the same. You don't open the gate and end up at the destination. It's not just a journey. It's not just a destination. It's the journey. It's made up of the entire, it's a path. There are two different ones, and they have different characteristics. So Jesus says, number one, there there is a road that leads to destruction. And it's a wide road. Pardon me, it has a wide gate and a broad road. (sighs) The road to destruction is the path of least resistance. It is the popular, crowd-pleasing path. There are no real demands to be met on this road, except that you agree with everyone else who's on it. Don't question the journey. Don't believe the warning signs. How could so many people be wrong? But this wide road leads to destruction. Passages I don't even have in my notes that I didn't give you in PowerPoint, but Proverbs says there is a way that seems right to a man, but in the end it leads to death. The scripture is full of these warnings. This road leads to destruction. Let's be clear. It leads to hell. The end of this path is destruction. It is eschatological doom. It is the hopeless destiny of death. And there is a road that leads to life. Yeah, you don't, I ended on the life one, so it would be a good news day. There's a road that leads to life. Yeah, and, and, it's, and it sounds, and it has, it's not a different road than even Moses was talking about. I set before you life and prosperity. I'm going to be with you and blessings. Choose this road. Choose this road. <sighs> okay. It, this road has a small gate and the road is narrow. And in some passages, it might, the word narrow might even read, read difficult. Now, you might say, oh, that makes, make, that might, again, might get sound like, oh, man, this is the road that's just, you know, it's hard and sorrowful and horrible, but, you know, just stick with it because you'll get to the end eventually. Don't worry, someday you'll die. No, no. Uh, this is the road, this is a, this is, this is a road that you, 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 that you will be resisted. There will be resistance against you. You will be pressed against to travel it, but understand this is not a hard road, in meaning that doing what is right is somehow hard. Doing what's right is not hard. Doing what's right is not doing hard things. I do hard things. No, you just do right things. It's not, the hard, it's not hard to do what's right. Jesus 
did not find it hard to please the Heavenly Father. It was first nature to him. It wasn't hard for him to do what was right. It's not hard to tell the truth. It's not hard to be kind. It's not hard to be honest. It's not hard to be righteous. But what Jesus did face was this. Listen, it's hard to be a straight shooter in a crooked world. It's hard, it's hard because you, have, you, get, you get to choose to, with every step, uh, ignore the people that are going the opposite way. You get to choose to be uh, oppression, you get to choose criticism, you get to choose to be left out when other people want you to be left in. You get to choose to say no to, to, the, to, the, to the phony baloney, uh, plastic banana, empty sandwich that the world is trying to sell you every day. Those who strive to do what is right instead of adapting to what is the lowest common denominator of morality, you must expect not to receive popular acclaim or to be celebrated. More likely, you will face persecution or ridicule, and in many places around the world and throughout history, what you'll actually face is martyrdom. Jesus said to his disciples, you'll be blessed and you'll be hated for it. But nobody on, nobody on the narrow road is grumpy about it. Nobody on the narrow road regrets being on the road. Nobody on this narrow road says, oh man, I don't like this road. They are, there's a song. They are, they are there. Therefore the redeemed of the Lord shall return and come with singing unto Zion and everlasting joy shall be upon their heads. They shall, they shall, woo, woo, all of this stuff. They shall obtain gladness and joy and, 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 and sorrow and mourning shall flee away. It's a road of redemption. It's a road of blessing. It's a road of life. It's a road of the presence of God. It's a, it's a road of real joy and real purity and real, real freedom. You don't have to be oppressed. You don't have to be poisoned. You don't have to poison your kids. You don't have to destroy generations. You don't have to live in a life of destruction. You don't have to end up in destruction or destroy people on the way. It's a narrow road. You've got to make unique choices. You get to choose life. Sure, but all you get to do is just say, look, I realize there's a great big off-ramp here and a lot of cars are taking it and there's fancy lights that says, you should get off here because destruction's waiting for you. But just keep going. This road leads to life, to eternal life. One, one, uh, one glossary says to transcendent life. Ooh, I like that one. Good. It leads to salvation and reward. This road is your best life now. It's the best life forever. This is the life worth living. The narrow road is the way. Do not underestimate the claim that Jesus is making. He's literally looking at you and me, his disciples, and saying this. Follow me if you want to live. That's it. And then, the last few verses there, the last few words, Jesus says, and only if you find it. We should not 
overreact to that statement and create an eschatological doctrine that said, yep, heaven's only going to have like seven people in it. (laughs) Because the rest of Scripture tells us, and and John the Revelator sees myriads of people that can't be counted. Do, Do not think for a moment that God is going to accept anything less than victory. Amen. And yet, what Jesus wants us to know is that day to day, week to week, going through your life, it, it, it's going to seem to you, you're going to see and feel and recognize that discipleship is a minority religion. That doesn't mean that all. We shouldn't obviously, nor should we overinterpret that and say, well, I guess we shouldn't try to evangelize because, hey, it's on them if they don't want to follow Jesus. No, no, no. We have to be expressions of Christ. We have to contend for people. We want people to be, Jesus paid for everybody to come in. We want them to do it. Ultimately, though, people have to make that choice. But this is not about you folding your arms and watching those people take that path. That's the wrong way to respond. The way to respond is with the first imperative. Enter through the narrow gate. Your job is to make sure that you follow Jesus. There's no avoiding this. There is no softening of this hard line. There are the choices that you make matter, disciple of Jesus, and there are only two, two roads. Therefore, disciples of Jesus take the road less traveled. And I've got it. You remember we've talked about this already throughout Jesus' sermon, and it's the way he teaches. When, when the ultimate or the the greatest expression of a thing is taught, it includes everything before it. So, if it if the ultimate is the intention, then the immediate is also included. So if he's saying take this road because it ends in eternal life. What we want to say to you, follower of Jesus Christ, is make sure that you have chosen Christ and then, and then understand this, that this, you, you don't just think about your destination, you think about your journey. Following Jesus is not just a decision that you make, it is a direction of your life. It's not just a choice, it's a path. Following Jesus is not just an experiment, it is a commitment. The narrow path includes the end, but also the way there. If you take that narrow path, you walk that path every day. Somebody say every day. You walk that path with every choice. The narrow road is the high road. Take the high road. The narrow road is often... (laughs) It's the thankful road, but it's also the thankless road. You're thankful, but you may not be thanked. The narrow road is too small to pack things like entitlement or resentment and take it with you. It is the road of discipline. It is the road of faithfulness. It is the road of sacrifice and delayed gratification and risk. It is the generous road. It's the humble road. Sometimes it's the lonely road. 
But it is the right road. It is the righteous road. And it leads to life with every step. There are only two roads. And I shall be telling this with a sigh somewhere ages and ages hence. The two roads diverged into a wood. And I, I took the one less traveled by. And that has made all the difference. And that is what it means to follow Jesus. So let me ask you to bow your heads in prayer as we close, please. I can't escape this. They're not two different emphases, but you just, the idea, number one, what road have you chosen? Have you followed Jesus? Have you decided to follow Jesus? Have you turned and followed him as his disciple? But having answered that, the question for you, disciple of Jesus, is how are you walking to... You, you will face decisions in your life day in, day out. And they really, it's, it, it's like every day you get to choose what road you're going to travel. Whether you're going to choose to do the right thing that may feel hard in the moment. That in the moment things, in the moment the, the, the hard thing may seem like it's not worth it. The hard thing may seem like no one's going to care. The hard thing may seem like what's it going to matter? I don't want to do that. It would be much easier for me to do the easy thing, the, the prideful thing. It would be much easier for me to let it slide a little bit. It would be much easier to compromise. It would be much easier. But, but, but things only really make sense when we look at them in the light of eternity. How will the decisions I'm making today keep me on the path that leads to life? And there's no decision too small. It doesn't matter. Really, disciple of Christ, every step matters. Which way will you step? Which way will you go?